This episode of the Zealous Podcast is sponsored by Perform Better. Perform Better is the leader in functional training by supplying innovative products and top-notch education to trainers, coaches, and therapists. Check out the brand new Perform Better app designed for professionals who want to stay on top of their game. This free app features education from the world's best. You'll learn from industry leaders including Mike Boyle, Gray Cook, Sue Falzoni, Charlie Weincroft, and many more. Topics range from strength and conditioning, program design, nutrition, business, and marketing. Just go to performbetter.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Zealous Podcast. I'm Rocky Snyder, strength conditioning specialist. And in the house with me, I got Nate Brookerson. Now, Nate is an NHL strength and conditioning coach, but there's a little asterisk next to that because he's doing something that it's been a while since the strength coach has been in his position. He is getting ready to gear up and begin with the Seattle Kraken. That's right. If you didn't hear me right, I, I said it, the Kraken, the sea monster. That is the name of the brand new NHL team in Seattle, Washington. And Nate is the strength conditioning coach for the team, which at this point in time only has one player because how it works is they're going to be drafting from all the other teams and picking some choice players and sending them to Seattle. So uh, right now, Nate, first, welcome to the show. And uh, what's going on in Seattle? Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, right now I'm uh, just doing everything that I can in preparation of, you know, getting the athletes uh, to to our uh, Kraken Training Center and, and getting up and rolling. So all the behind the scenes, setting up the facility, you know, working with our performance consultant, Gary Roberts, to make sure everything is, is on par with nutrition and supplementation and setting up our performance testing processes and, you know, how we're going to aggregate and communicate data and just all, all that fun stuff. So um, really all the, the processes and systems behind the scenes is, is kind of what's happening right now. And so what's your wish list going forward? I mean, you just mentioned a whole bunch of things, but going in there, we've got a whole bunch of tech, obviously, and, and I'm sure that your training facility is going to be top notch starting from the ground up. But if you had like a Christmas list right now, what, what's on it? What, and, and what's already been got? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're talking about our facility at uh, Kraken Training Center, which is going to be our practice faci- practice facility, it's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty typical, you know, strength conditioning facility. It's going to have uh, turf. It's going to have Sornix racks in it. We're going to have Kaiser performance trainers, a lot of cardio pieces, some of the simple, uh, you know, monitoring and, and performance testing tech, but, you know, really uh, the, the wish list at this point is to, to have good people around me and to, uh, to have really good sound uh, and fundamental processes that simplify you know our uh, simplify our approach in our life rather than you know making it overly complex and and making uh making our guys feel like they're in a lab so really just being streamlined with processes and uh and, and making sure that everything is really going to fit logistically is is kind of where where we're at from more <laughs> i guess from a wish list standpoint no worries now you've i imagine you've got yourself a couple of assistants or soon will how do you go about finding your team for strength conditioning and performance? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was lucky enough to come into this situation at the same time as our performance uh, and sports science consultant, Gary Roberts. So, you know, we started, uh, you know, literally the same time in November uh, of last year. And 
it was great to be able to have somebody with the perspective that he does coming from being an NHL player, being in the performance realm, consulting with other NHL teams, and then being part of the Vegas Knights, uh, you know, uh, and, and them really going through the same thing that we're going to be going through here soon. So, um, again, a lot of talking through big picture, 30,000 foot stuff. Again, what is the facility going to look like? What's the flow? What's the day to day? How's nutrition services, you know, delivery of those processes. Uh, as we, you know, build out our performance team, you know, we're, we're really looking for uh, humility and we're looking for, you know, people that can be process oriented and, uh, and, and very, I would say, systematic thinkers, people that can really distill down, you know, okay, this is, I'm going to have this group of athletes. This is, you know, what my measurables are. This is kind of the, the, again, logistics behind the day. And this is how I'm going to deliver these services. And, you know, somebody that has the personality and the, and the background to be able to do so, but really wants to work in an, an environment where we're challenging one another and growing every single day, because you can go in with a plan. And, and ultimately that plan is going to, is going to iterate. It's going to change quite a bit throughout the year. Uh, and we're, we're all kind of living this, uh, it, it is almost the startup, like living it all for the first time. So it's, there is no, well, this is what we did last year. This is what, you know, we've done previously that doesn't exist. So everything is, is being created for the first time. So I think, you know, you're, you're really looking at, okay, what's the, what's the best practice what is applicable here? And then how are we going to implement this within our, again, our team and our system? Um, so yeah, just, I mean, I would say, uh, you know, looking, looking for good people, looking for uh, people that want to challenge one another and, and, and again, grow in that environment. Well, how much does that vary from one NHL team to another? I mean, I imagine over the years, everything becomes somewhat homogenous in terms of the approach. Uh, are there, to your knowledge, like, are you going to be doing very similar um, approaches and procedures, processes? like the other teams, or are there going to be some things, whether you want to mention them or not, that are going to kind of set you apart from, from say the Sharks or the Kings or whomever? I would say from the, from the naked eye coming in that most situations are going to look more similar than they would different, right? In terms of, okay, if you're looking at just like the delivery of process where it's, you know, really all you're going to see is like, okay, these are X's and O's. These these are the exercises. This is how they're executed. This is kind of like logistics or flow of the room. Um, you know, simple like, okay, this is when a warm-up's going to occur. This is what's going to happen post-practice. This is what's going to happen from a nutrition, nutrition uh, delivery and services standpoint. Like, I think that stuff will look, you know, similar to, to most NHL clubs. I, I'm hoping what's different is, is the integration between, you know, ourselves, athletic medicine, uh, analytics, again, across all this, uh, all these domains and all these, uh, personnel, because really, I think that's what separates the, you know, whatever you want to call high performing organizations over, you know, just this, the standard, Hey, this is kind of what I do. This is my lane. This is my, this is my job description. This is what my roles and responsibilities are. It's knowing that, you know, we can exist in one another's domains and, and really help strengthen what the, you know, entire process is going to look like and not feeling timid or, or intimidated by, you know, again, having those intentional conversations and really having your why is sorted out. And again, being really systematic and, and not always worrying about what the, like the outcome is going to be, you know, right. Like I think a lot of people get really caught up in 
like ultimately this is what I need it to look like from a GM's perspective or from a coach's perspective. Like they need to be able to look in and see these outcomes. And yet we're all shooting for those outcomes, but ultimately like having a really sound and fundamental process behind how we're going towards those outcomes. So like that will, I think, help to drive the success rather than always just worrying about, you know, chasing something like we got to get this guy back on the ice as quickly as possible, or I'm going to get this guy stronger. I'm going to get him to jump higher. Like what is your process to get there and, and making sure that's communicated and really open. And again, being, being open to, to getting better information or better ideas and to be able to, to iterate or, or to grow that process over time. Sure. So there's, there's X factors involved because every team you look, like you say, you look on the surface and it's basically the same. So it's, it's the underlying things. Um, and I think a big part of it is, is the ability to coach. So with that, what separates you from other coaches? I mean, and, and I, this requires some humility and modesty, of course, but you can put that out the window if you want. What, what makes you the, the best guy for that job? You know, I'm coming from a, a, obviously an outsider's perspective on the surface, right? Not coming from the hockey background. Uh, I've worked in Olympic sports. I've worked with everything from, you know, in the last, you know, eight years from basketball to soccer to swimming to, to you know, across the board. I've uh, been in administrative roles, so been able to really look at how those pieces, you know, from a from a administrative perspective need to come together in order to, again, most effectively drive those services. services. Um, so, you know, from a delivery standpoint, I, I came up in the world of, of just, you know, I'm coaching all the time, all day, all night, uh, you know, especially when I was in football. Uh, it was, you know, four to five groups in a day, hour and a half per group. It was really like meticulous of like, this is how an exercise needs to look. This is the whys behind it. And so kind of grew up in that world um, and lived that for many, many years. And then moving and evolving into this administrative role, it was being able to say like, okay, these things are important, but what else is important? Like, how are we, again, driving the best nutritional services? How are we informing our process through our assess assessments and testing? How are we better communicating across domains with the coaching staff to be able to deliver, you know, the, the, the product that they're wanting to see, but through really good process that can be repeated and has uh, that, that has kind of a systematic element to it. And then really, again, working across those domains, leveraging, you know, the, the great ideas from athletic medicine and, and um, being able to say, okay, like having a great return to play process so that when somebody gets back on the ice, like we're really confident that we've gone through the steps to get them ready to perform at the highest level. So I think being able to, to look outside of just the S and C piece and know how all those things need to fit together to again, drive performance on the ice and not just saying like my job, all I, all I'm about is like, I'm in the weight room. I get this guy to, you know, do this trap bar deadlift better, better and put some more weight on the bar than I did what I'm supposed to do. Like not being so um, myopic with like how all this stuff needs to fit together. And then, you know, I, I say this all the time, like, low ego. Yeah. I would say most people that know me know that's how I operate is like, I I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm not afraid to, uh, to grow and change my mind. Uh, but I'll, I'll still have, like, I, I have convictions and things I believe strongly about, but at the same time, like, I do know that the process of driving 
you know, like S and C with, with any athlete, like if you can get them as an evolved or involved and bought into that process, then it's going to be a hell of a lot more successful than if you're just like driving it to them and saying, you know, this is how it's going to be. I know best, you know, I know the sport better than you, or I know what performance looks like, you know, better than you, um, you know, just letting them be a part of the process and give that communication and feedback and having that ability to take that and, and really apply it and, you know, making it kind of a, a, a cooperative uh, type of scenario situation. So I, I got to ask, because you, you mentioned it, uh, not very depth in terms of your background with hockey, but so many other sports over the last eight years, at least plus, plus more than that, I'm sure. How is it that you landed this spot? I mean, normally I'm asking about lifts and mobility and nutrition support, which we can get into a little bit later, but I'm curious. I mean, obviously, like if it was an existing organization, they move people up the ranks, the assistant becomes the strength coach and so on. But whereas this is a new operation, they're not moving parallel and pulling somebody from another team. Where did you come from? How did they find you? And it's just, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, uh, the uniqueness of the story is uh, being able to connect it with a lot of people throughout uh, the, the, the U.S. And, and nationally and everything through my background and, and, and seeking those type of relationships out, being really intentional. And when opportunities do come up, that intentionality is, is like, I don't, I don't ever call and ask people like what you can do for me. It's like I always try to be selfless and, and help people out as much as possible. So when people do find opportunities or, or things that they feel like would, would fit me, I think that they're genuinely like, Hey, I think Nate would be a great fit with this organization, this environment is from what you're looking to do. So, you know, conversations happen within the, the organization early on of like, you know, we're, we're looking to not just have to be in the mold of like, we have to only have somebody in this role that's like X's and O's hockey. All they know is like the NHL. That's all they've, you know, lived and breathed. It's like, how can we, you know, again, uh, maybe innovate within the sport and uh, be able to look at it with different perspective and have somebody that has, you know, a, a, a different diverse background, um, you know, good, batter and different in the sport. I think that was some of the things that they were seeking out. So when those conversations started happening and, and, uh, went back to the, the GM. I also had the advantage of geography on my side. I uh, was in Raleigh, North Carolina. The GM is Ron Francis. He was also in Raleigh, uh, formerly the, the GM of the Carolina Hurricanes. So, you know, being in the same town pre-COVID, being able to get together, have coffee, meet face-to-face, -face, him to, to ask me, again, intentional questions, get to know me, um, you know, know what I'm, I'm all about. And then, you know, Ron is, is well connected, obviously in the SNC realm and having, you know, colleagues and, and friends like Gary that he can, you know, he can hear me say things, but then he can kind of bounce off Gary and, and other people that he knows to be able to say like, okay, is, is he saying the right things or what we're really looking for? So again, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty long process. We had uh, initially connected in like September of 2019 and just we're able to connect, you know, pre-COVID through coffee and, and just getting to know each other conversations. And, and from there, I think he felt comfortable and confident in what this role was going to be and what he wanted. And it was just, yeah, it was more kind of an organic process. And then that's just, yeah, kind of how it came to be. It was, uh, it, it's interesting. Like every, every job opportunity that I've had have 
always been through some sort of connection that's um you know well uh like that has a good relationship with the, the person who's doing the hiring process but beyond that like obviously that's very helpful but then you have to have the conversations to show that you're somebody that like is actually capable of doing that job and so yeah i mean i don't i don't speak on anything that i'm not about i'm very open and candid i get people ask me questions if somebody was interviewing me and say so, you know they ask me like what's your hockey background and i'd be like i've never trained anybody in hockey um but that being said, if you ask me like, okay, you know, what, what is your, you know, general philosophy? How would you go about addressing this? How would you attack it? Um, what do you think is important to test? How do you communicate that? Like I, I've done that for many, many years. And so it's just the application to a, a different set of, you know, scope of sport and, and rules and standards and all that stuff. So, yeah. What's, what's the biggest challenge you're facing as the SNC coach for the Kraken? What, uh, obviously not knowing who's going to be on the team is probably up there potentially, but what, what are you facing right now? That is it, it, that you're really challenged by. I think currently it's, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to answer that more from the perspective of what I foresee. Right. And it's the fact that you're going to select players from the entire, you know, spectrum of teams across the NHL um, that, are you know going to be established in the league they're going to be more veteran players and they're going to have perspectives and backgrounds of, of how they've trained before you know what's been the expectation within the locker room or, or the snc portion with the team that they were with um you know and beyond that from what you see in the nhl probably have another private coach that they work with throughout their their career and it's being able to take all those different perspectives, bringing them together to, again, something that's authentic to what our organization is going to be about and to get them to buy in and, and to say that this is this is what the you know, this is best process. And it might be different from what you've done before. Um, but again, not intentionally different, not seeking out like, hey, this is just going to be novel to be different. Right. Like I'm just going to be all about the Olympic lifts because nobody else in the NHL does that. And that's the, you know, the magic built pill so there's a lot of finesse that's going to be involved you know it's it's putting some of the science aside and it's saying you won't necessarily have a ton of time to grow relationships because we're going to come together probably just before the season and then we're going to go through a full season together and it's going to be new it's going to be exciting everybody's going to be you know really on board with it in seattle like you see it everywhere and you know, from that perspective, everybody wants it to be successful and everybody wants us to play well right off the bat. So there's going to be that pressure. Um, but you just think about the uniqueness of like everybody coming together and, you know, how do you, how do you get people bought into that? Like, I don't have the answer. I'm, I'm thinking through it all the time. And that's, that's the, going to be the challenge for myself, Gary and our staff and, and everybody, you know, on the offside is like, how do we, how do we get them bought in to, to, you know, what we're, what we're providing, what our services are going to be and, and making sure that, Again, it is best practice. We're gonna we have to set it up in a way that we we don't want it to be like, hey, we're gonna throw something out and then we're gonna 180 reverse it the next year and we're gonna be different. Like there has to be some continuity in what your processes are gonna be. So you need to have them really set up and and kind of greased and, and, and groove before everything gets going, which is gonna be tough because who knows when the guys are gonna walk in the door. So like that's I mean, that's that's a challenge. Like I've never I've never gone through that, and not many people in this industry have gone through that. And even if you look into college, a lot of people go into college and they just go, 
this is what my system is, or this is what the coach wants. And I'm just going to do this. And it's, it's pretty simplified. And, and most times you kind of just drive it to the players that you're going to have. And you just say, this is what it's going to be. And they're just, even if there's not a ton of buy-in, it's kind of like an acceptance of it. Right. And you don't usually have to fight that like perspective. <laughs> you know, you don't have 10 year college bets like that. Those, those people don't exist. Um, and you don't have, people coming from every other college organization to come join uh, your college. You know, you, you'll get those occasional transfers, but most times it's like you're getting them into what your culture and, and what your standards are. Try that with, you know, 30 plus guys. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be a unique challenge. I mean, I'm looking forward to it and uh, it's not going to be smooth sailing all the time. But again, I like, I love that art form side of things. Like there is no right answer. Right. Right. So, well, you've got, you, most likely you're going to have players that have played for more than one team. And because of that, they've been through different philosophies and approaches. And they may be more inclined to stay with one approach than the other, but there is a chance they could be very malleable. So, yeah, it's going to, I'm sure, be individually based and, and just go from one person to the other, one player to the other. And you're talking how, how many are going to be on the active roster and when does preseason begin? So it's usually, it, it depends, right? Like this year, a lot of teams had taxi squads. Right, like with COVID five and just, more players. Yeah, just keeping additional players around. So I, I foresee it being anywhere between, you know, 23 to 28. Uh, our first year in existence, we will not have a AHL affiliate. So I don't know if that's going to bias us towards maybe keeping more people around that we would typically put on our AHL affiliate. I know, you know, they'll, they'll figure out what that's going to look like for our organization, probably, you know, partnering with another existing team and, and stashing some players there. And then you're going to have, you know, amateur players they are going to probably stay either in their own situation or go to their various leagues back to college, whatever that looks like. So yeah, the, the, the active roster, I foresee it being 23 to you know, at the highest, probably 30, but I, I wouldn't think it's going to be that many. They are continuing the taxi squad then. I have no clue, to be honest. Okay. And then preseason beginning of September or so? Yeah. Um, yeah, roughly. Yeah. And how uh, many weeks? Because it was, it was condensed obviously last year, but how many weeks are you expected to have a preseason? I believe it's three to four weeks. Okay. Well, you got a lot to prepare for in that three to four weeks with a whole bunch of a, a new family. You don't even know who the members are. Wow. And no. It, yeah, it'll be interesting once this, you know, expansion and amateur draft happen within days of one another. Um, you know, every, everybody's going to be really excited to, to speak with the players. You think about everything from, you know, our side of, of the coin, the ops people, obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll have a, most likely have a coaching staff by then. So they're going to want to connect with them. Um, the social media, marketing, branding, that side is going to want a lot of their, you know, time and, and connection and everything like that. So it's making sure you're not going in too strong, understanding they're still, you know, human beings that just went through a really long season um, that uh, is, is seemed like it's been very physically taxing. And, uh, you know, with, with COVID, again, the travel and the back-to-back -back games, it's just, it's a completely different, unique element. And so it'll be you know, kind of interesting and uh, challenging to to build those relationships without like, you know, <laughs> just getting in, into their faces and business too much and, and letting them breathe a little bit. Sure. So, 
it'll be interesting. But again, you know, you're going to have players that are you know, older veterans and, and, and people that are going to have kids. They're going to want to find places to live. So I foresee people coming out to Seattle and, you know, the August time frame and just, you know, exploring it and getting a feel for what that's going to look like for them. So I think, uh, yeah, we're just going to, that, that'll probably be discussions again, myself, Gary, and our, our staff will have quite a bit. It's like, okay, what is, what does this need to look like? Who, who do we need to connect with? Do we already have some of these connections forged? Do we know these coaches? We have relationships with them. Can we reach out to them? Cause that's the other piece too, is talking to their coaches. Uh, you know, I, I'm saying S and T talking to the, the coaches that they work with and, getting a feel for where they're at with their training plan and, and what their goals are, what they're trying to come into the next season, you know, being better at or what they're, you know, spending time on. So yeah, it's be, be a lot of time on the phone, a lot of conversations, which again, it'd be fun to, to, to build right. out the processes. So let's talk program design. Cause I do want to talk like lifts and training facility and so on. Uh, and there's, it seems to me that the, the, the pros that I'm talking to, they're not getting away from periodization or periodized programs, but they're relying more on velocity-based training to guide their way with where the athletes are in more real time than just putting out kind of a guide that periodization has a tendency to do. Where do you stand with that? I mean, is it a blend between the two? Are you, uh, yeah, how do you develop your program? Okay. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So it's the idea of, you know, stepping back and saying, okay, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is their ability to go out and play hockey at the highest level. So knowing that with the guys that you're dealing with, knowing what their background is, training background, you know, again, what their uh, lifting history is in terms of like, these are the things that I've typically done. These are my big rocks or my meat and potatoes. And, and again, knowing what those things are and um, in season, you're going to get an opportunity to work with guys, you know, one, two times a week, maybe more, depending on, again, a, a developmental prospect or, or somebody that's not getting as much ice time. So you're saying, okay, with this amount of time, with these qualities, knowing that they're going to be on the ice, like what is the amount of volume or, or frequency or intensity that I need to um, expose them to in order to really develop or see changes in these qualities and how am I testing those things over time? So being able to have you know, performance tests built in to the process to not feel like it's, you know, hey, we don't get an entire day to just go test on the force plates. We don't get an entire day to go do, you know, VBT with every single player. So how do those things build into your processes to be able to inform, are we going in the right direction or do we need to pivot and make some changes? And then what are some of the outside influences that are, you know, maybe blunting the, the training process if they're getting a lot of time on the ice and they're doing extra work, like, and really trying to push something that involves some higher intensity, like, you know, Hey, we need to develop, you know, these metabolic qualities, like those things are going to, uh, those things are going to be pretty dichotomous. So it's like, again, what if, what is the most important thing? And I like developing kind of themes behind training. So if we're going after, you know, strength development, that everything really signals in strength development. So it's going to have a certain rep, uh, range, volume, intensity to it. And, you know, specific exercises, more, I'm more biased towards some of the bilateral exercises with strength acquisition, strength acquisition, strength development. Tell me um, what those are. What are your, what are your big rocks? 
Yeah. So I think with this population, based on, you know, the, the knowledge of like some of the hip pathologies that they have, I think trap bar deadlifting fits really well with this population. I think from a bi- bi- bilateral perspective, you, you're going to do uh, more Swiss bar pressing uh, or even like unilateral pressing um, and then chins and, and, and some of like the, the bilateral pulls in that regard. So I mean, I think those three, um, I still would like to fit in uh, a form of a squat with this population, but again, it depends on the person, um, depends on their, their injury history and, and uh, ability to get into those patterns and positions well without pain. So again, really simply informing, like, can they, can they own this exercise? Can they do this without pain? What ranges of motion can they get through and not forcing anything? Um, so yeah, I would say like, those are your kind of big ones, squat, deadlift variant, and then like a a big push, big pull. Um, because those things like you can measure over time, you can, you can see, you can apply with any of those lifts, you can apply, you know, strength acquisition thought process, or you can look at VBT on, on any of those. So, I mean, it's again, simple to, to kind of understand where they're at from a spectrum. Uh, would you, would you spread them out over the course of the week or are we talking in one single routine? No, for sure not. No, I, I population. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to look at more total body lifts because again, you're, you're only working with them. If you're going to one to two lifts a week, you're not going to be doing like splits typically like upper and lower. Uh, again, unless I'm getting the guy more than twice a week, I'm, I'm going to go total body. And then, you know, it's, it's typically theme wise, I would do things that are going to evoke less soreness, you know, eccentric soreness, like closer to a competition. And if we have some, some time, you know, Hey, we're, we're going after a game, it, this is our work day and we're going to have some time before our next game, maybe something that has a little bit more of an eccentric element to it. So, you know, exercises that are more concentric based, your, your trap bar deadlifts, um, uh, your, your big presses, like those things will probably fit on one day and then maybe your bigger pulls and your, your quad dominant stuff, uh, they're going to have a little bit more eccentric soreness, uh, uh, associated with them they're going to live on on, on another so day but when it comes to your accessory lifts are you going to like aside from those those big rocks do you put do you intend to put players into like sports stances sports specific positions and feed movement through it i mean what would be some selection for the accessories i would say from a loading perspective typically there's a reason why exercises do well being loaded. And I think as you start to surf up the, the spectrum of like novel, less base of support, you know, different type of stimulus in terms of like loading. Okay. This is more like a sling. This is more transverse in nature. Like those things don't necessarily serve as like, again, meat and potatoes type of exercises. So again, it really depends on the person. Like that's why, I, I think assessment and performance testing need to feed the exercises that you select. So for example, like say we're using Y balance, right? And somebody has really poor anterior, anterior excursion. So on a single leg, they don't, they're not able to, to, to excurse that, that box very well on, you know, let's say it's one side, like, okay, well, let's, let's do some sort of table assessment to understand the function of the things involved with that single leg squat. If that's not what it is, if it's motor control, there's going to be certain exercises that would fit that bucket, like more supported or assisted type of exercises would work well with like a motor control limitation. And if it's like strength, then, you know, different single leg squat on a box to a box. Um, 
uh, forward lunge with more of a translation of the knee, like those things fit what that person lacks, like those lack of competencies. So again, if it's distillation down to like, this is what's important because this is what we're testing and why we're testing it. And am I feeding things into the system to show that I'm making a change? And then eventually like the, it needs to go up all the way to, okay, is this making any sort of positive impact, you know, subjective, objective on their ability to go out and play the sport, whether it's like, I feel better when I'm out there, you know, I, I feel like I can get into the ice more effectively. I feel like I can get in my stance lower, you know, whether that's feedback from the players, feedback from the coaches. I think those things are important to help you inform, like, am I going in the right direction? Um, but again, like not chasing too many things like auxiliary wise, I just don't like, I'm not, I'm not going to try to chase everything. Like, sure. So like you mentioned assessments, the Y balance being fantastic. I, as I see it with the hockey players, what other um, assessments or screening processes are you going to select for the Kraken? Yeah. Anything that's involving mobility and motor control perspective of the hip. So looking at internal and external rotation in a low, uh, in, in a, a supported and unsupported uh, position. So like, for example, seated versus, uh, um, um, prone. So like looking at their ability, like, okay, how does just the function of the hip, is there any sort of pathology of the joint that we need to be aware of? Or is this just like a muscular limitation? Like they just don't have the, the flexibility to get through these positions. Um, same thing with the shoulder. Again, there's common injuries, labrum, AC joint. So looking at, you know, general, like, um, provocative tests, pathology of the shoulder, do they have the appropriate range of motion and in internal and external rotation? Uh, from a global assessment perspective, like just simple red squatting, and then from a um, motor control and excursion and, and multiple planes, that's where I like the uh, YBT. I like it upper and lower for this population for sure. Um, and then letting that assessment inform you if you need to jump down the rabbit hole even more because you can see, okay, well, this person has lack of, you know, internal rotation of the shoulder. Again, do we feel like that is more of a mobility limitation? If I assist it through that range of motion, am I able to achieve it? Or is it more motor control um, where, okay, they, they can't get it, but I can assist them and they can find that range of motion because again, your strategies to attack that or acquire that competency are going to be different depending on what the limitation is. And then, you know, if I get outside of the scope of, <laughs> I feel like I can fix a problem. That's why we have an athletic medicine, you know, staff to be able to bounce things off of and say, okay, you know, is there an injury history with this joint or, or this area of the body, or is there something that we're seeing like common injury patterns? Like, are we, do we have a plan to address these things? And if so, what is our plan? And ultimately like, what are the outcomes that we would expect to see and what is the process that we're using to achieve those outcomes. So like, are we feeding the, the similar processes into the system? Like did we get the pattern that we wanted to see and then we load it and we reinforce it to see, did we make the changes or are we, we sticking on these changes that we want to see over time? So yeah, it's uh, and these are all obviously dry land based movement screening processes. Do you have any on ice movement screening? Or do, do you know of any of the NHL teams that are doing anything like that? I would think that there's a certain liability and concern and that you don't want to injure a player as they're trying to move on the ice. But I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to different coaches that have talked about, you know, hey, I look at their ability to get into different postures and positions and like edge control. And um, I'm always just I'm, I'm always going to lean towards people that or, or have a better perspective with that and you know what is needed like 
is are specific competencies needed for like what they're going to need to do on the ice right and then if they really lack those things then is it a skill is it is a motor pattern is it something that you can improve off the ice because like one i'm not going to give them the feedback i don't know how to measure those things on the ice so like i don't want to just be pointing out like oh this looks a certain way and you know obviously there is like video analysis that you can do but like that ability to like repeat it and and see like okay i did this intervention i made this change like did i actually see a, a change in like the 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 pattern on the ice so like yeah it's just i think that's a, a rabbit hole that i am not going to jump down initially and we'll see i mean ask me again in a couple or a year a couple years as I, i'm around skills coaches and sport coaches and have better process and what that would look like but as of now no, I, I think that that would do more harm than good, to be honest. Gotcha. Yeah, just curious because I hadn't heard of anything that was going on ice. It was all dry land and and just curious about it. Now, last question, because we're kind of running out of time here, and I appreciate the time you've devoted to us so far. But what's what's getting your your juices flowing now? The Kraken are just I can see the bubbles on the surface of the ocean and you know that there's movement underneath and pretty soon that monster is going to erupt into the NHL, but what's, what's getting you all fired up for, for the upcoming season? I mean, I think just getting, getting started with the guys. Um, it's being able to get all these players in the room and say, okay, we're all part of this organization. We're all going in the same direction. Like, what is this now going to look like? Um, and, you know, to be honest, being out of just that weight room um, environment, for as long as I have, you know, cause I, I started here in November and, you know, leaving NC state and being in that every single day and being able to live that with the athletes and going through, you know, that entire, you know, day-to-day -day process and, and seeing what it takes to be successful uh, within the sport and, and all the work that goes on behind the scenes. Like I'm ready to just be a part of that, you know, let's put in the work in the right way. And uh, again, just with, with everybody that's going to be, I mean, this, the, like you said, the excitement and, uh, and the uniqueness of the situation like it's going to be it's going to be really fun like uh, it's going to be a whirlwind it's going to go fast <laughs> at, at times and other times i'm sure it's going to be a grind but uh yeah just to get get it started like i'm not in a rush to do that you know i'm, I'm enjoying uh being able to spend this time really intentionally spend this time with my family and and to again develop this relationship with gary although i'd, I'd love to meet the guy in person i mean i've, I've had a million zooms and, and conversations with him on the phone but we've never actually met in person um, and to grow the staff and to get everybody together. But yeah, like there's going to be such a, just an electricity to the environment when we all get together and we're in the same room because, you know, COVID has limited our ability to get face-to-face -face across all the ops and, and everybody else within the organization. Like we're going to have that home base in, in KTC and be all together. Like they'll be on the top floor. We're going to be on the bottom floor. We're going to be right next to our practice ice. It's going to be, it's going to be nuts. So it's just, pacing yourself probably <laughs> fabulous. you know there's there's many times we walk through life and we don't realize we're we're walking through history that we're creating but for you i i hope you you probably recognize that, that every day gets closer you guys are creating history right now something that hasn't been done in the seattle region so you know congratulations on that and, and enjoy every moment that is is coming your way and, and congratulations of course on the position that you've filled there. I, I can't say good luck on the season because I'm a Sharks fan. And when the Kraken come into the tank in the Shark Tank in San Jose, whenever that date gets revealed, um, 
yeah, I'll be I'll be texting you, and and it won't <laughs> be good luck either. Uh, that's that's okay. I, you know, I don't I don't expect anybody to change their uh, affinity to a team just uh, just because of me. So yeah, you keep rooting on your team. And I, I will okay. say that your logo and the Sharks logo are probably two of the best NHL logos going on right now. So I, I've definitely heard that. I've heard a lot of people are just fans of our organization just based on the logo itself. Which again, our, our marketing, branding, and 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 that that team has has done an incredible job. So uh, through everything. So. Yeah, if that's if that's why people like us, that's fine. That's cool. Well, I think you're going to give them a whole bunch more reasons to like you. So, hey, Nate, thanks for being on. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. This was great. Great questions, too. There's some, some very thought-provoking questions. I appreciate it. Right on. Well, that's it for another episode of the Zealous Podcast. I want to thank Nate for coming on and sharing all about what's going on up in Seattle with the Kraken. Wishing him best luck with this new season coming on. And be sure you subscribe to Zealous because every week we've got some great guests. And this summer coming up, well, we've got a lot in store. So subscribe to our channel and we'll see you next week.